Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Can anything be done to convince mainstream science to take the paranormal seriously? After 70 years of intensive UFO interest, what do we really know? Is the government or someone restricting information not only about UFOs but about ghosts, Bigfoot, and all the rest? Hello and welcome to the 700th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on ON1240 Radio, celebrating 70 years of broadcasting here in New England's beautiful Blackstone Valley. I'm Ben, and those questions came from within questions, and they also came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal and dad, Paul. And today we bring you a two-hour special to mark not only our 700th show, but the onset of our 10th year on the air. Uh, with us today, we have uh, three luminaries who have uh, been among our favorite guests in their special subjects over the years. And today, um, we cannot take calls, uh, due to, but we can take emails. And the, you can go Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com for those. And don't forget about our Facebook page as well. And our apologies to the old-time radio fans uh, who are usually listening at this hour. However, we will be back at our 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock slot next week when it's our 701st show. You won't have to worry about being preempted again till our 800th show uh, sometime about six years from now. Uh, Mark D'Antonio is a trained astronomer and the national photo and video analyst for the Mutual UFO Network, or MUFON. Uh, MUFON. Uh, Mark has spent decades capturing hundreds of thousands of images of celestial phenomena using everything from small cameras to multimedia, multimedia, multi-million dollar telescopes and world-class observatories. He owns Connecticut-based FX models, which create CGI and physical replicas for the entertainment industry and defense contractors, among others. Uh, Mark has done groundbreaking research on UFOs and is working on some very special projects, uh, some of which we will talk about this, uh, this afternoon. He consults with Ben and me on uh, some of the uh, uh, paranormal flap area cases we work on. Uh, he has appeared all over the media, including CNN, Discovery, Sci-Fi, History, National Geographic, and the Science Channels. His website, fxmodels.com, and it's the last time I have peanut butter for breakfast. Yes, and <laughs> Linda Godfrey is uh, also our guest, and she is one of those respected authorities on anomalous animals and paranormal phenomena in America, especially when it comes to sightings in Wisconsin and Michigan. As a newspaper journalist in the 1990s, Linda was the first to break the story of the terrifying canine cryptid known as the Beast of Bray Road, and she has uh, recorded many other odd happenings in uh, Wisconsin, around the United States, in Canada, and Europe. Uh, Linda has written 17 published books on strange creatures. She's really had to keep up uh, people and phenomena, and Linda is uh, prominent in the uh, media and has appeared on History Channel's Monster Quest, Hannity's America, Mysteries and Monsters, and more. Her uh, website, lindagodfrey.com. And as we ourselves have described him, Shane Searway is a Bigfoot... Big... Blackfoot. (laughs) A Bigfoot shaman. Uh, Okay, well, maybe that... (laughs) I'm sorry. Shaman and a feet-on-the-ground paranormal investigator, a very good combination. He's one of the few fellow ghost researchers Ben and I will work with, and I slash we have been doing so for the last 19 years. And Shane has been working in the field for 30 years. Today, the three of us work on paranormal flap cases together. Because of the broad nature of this work... Uh, Shane has had personal contact not only with ghost phenomena and parasites, but with UFOs and cryptids, most recently including humanoids. His website, trueghost.com. So everyone, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. They're out there somewhere. Okay. Take it away, Ben. Are you, are we told- <laughs> well, 
I, w- I was saying hi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Mark. Okay. Congrats on 700. Oh, no, it's fine. So let's uh, start the discussion uh, with, you know, a very simple question. Do we know anything more about the paranormal today than we did a century ago? And with an emphasis on your own fields of expertise. So, yes. uh, so let's begin with Mark. Uh, it's It's been 70 years since the uh, Kenneth Arnold sighting and the Roswell crash in uh, 2017. Do we really know any more uh, than we do did then? Uh, actually, um, the answer to that question is a little bit complex, but I'll break it down in, in a couple of ways. First, we look at our current state of understanding of science. And we try to understand all these phenomena we see in terms of our current understanding of science. Seventy years ago, our understanding of science was actually not uh, nearly as good as it is today. We actually see uh, cosmic horizons of our own where we can travel interstellar eventually. This was something completely out of reach uh, in the same way the sound barrier was out of reach uh, you know, a few years ago, and some, some you know, uh, decades ago. And now it's no longer out of reach. Uh, and it became a, a very uh, uh, reachable goal. Now, in the same way, uh, interstellar travel looks like it's out of reach for us because of energy requirements, the energy we need in order to go interstellar. But the bottom line is that it's coming to us, and we see it coming, and it will be here inexorably. It's coming slowly, but it's coming. Now, one other thing, too, is the... Uh, there were scientific papers that have been submitted uh, into the Astrophysical Journal and other say that maybe we don't understand how the universe itself started. It's possible, not guaranteed, but possible, you see, that when the universe was born, it actually spawned more than one universe. And this is something Paul's big into, the, the multiverse concept. Um, and I actually had a strange encounter, which we'll maybe talk about it or not. I don't care. It's, it's your call, your show. I'm just happy to be here. Uh, but the bottom line is, uh, a few years later, after that first paper came out that said maybe parallel universes were formed when the universe started, another paper came out that actually showed that they were in agreement with the previous paper and said, and we think we know how they're laid out. And they started to provide a topology for the universe based on the parallel multiverse concept. That is something amazing. So, have we come a long way? You betcha. Hmm. We went from being, uh, we went from being uh, an, an Earth-centered universe to the Earth being just an ordinary planet to the Earth being perhaps one of many. Okay. Mark, why don't you tell that story just briefly? I don't, I'm not sure Linda or Shane have ever heard it. Oh, sure. I'll, I'll be quick. Um, I, I've actually, in the, in the beginning when I was first uh, uh, you know, when I first, uh, I actually, okay, let me back up a bit. Okay, I backed up. Now, if we look at, uh, we go back, say, 27 years, I had to have some uh, brain surgery. And uh, the, they had to install one. <laughs> it was missing. <laughs> well, anyway, um, <laughs> when, when, they, uh, when they did the surgery, they, they took out something that was in there that was bad, and uh, that was fine. But they kind of had to core a hole to get into the center of the brain, because that's where it was. All right. Jump ahead now, uh, 24 years. Uh, I started hearing voices, and I figured, oh, okay, I'm I'm hearing my kids upstairs in the room above, because that's where it was coming from. So I ran upstairs, and the room was dark and empty. Okay. So I was hearing all these voices, and I figured, oh, my brain, the injury from the surgery is is maturing, 
and I'm hearing conversations. My brain is probably playing back conversations I've heard before. That's what I figured it was. Then I started seeing things. I started seeing people walking by that weren't... I'm not talking about out of the corner of your eye. We all get that, especially when we're tired. We hear voices coming in from all sides. This is different. This was something where I could look right at this thing, and it was a person walking by, and it was sort of semi-transparent, and I didn't know what to do with it. Um, I said, whoa, what is that? And I figured, okay, maybe my brain is replaying visual things that it saw before. That's how I was thinking of this. I was trying to stick with the science we knew at the time, right? So anyway, uh, moving ahead, uh, I started to see more and more creatures and objects. I saw, you know, people. I saw uh, a mouse. I saw a little tiny dog that walked into my workshop. I was working on a prop for a movie, in fact, with Douglas Trumbull, with whom I work, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, Doug, uh, you know, very demanding, Academy Award-winning guy. You know, we, we actually have a very good relationship. We're good friends. And so I couldn't wait to show him this prop. I was happy. It was 3.30 in the afternoon. I was really excited because I was about to leave to take the thing up there to show him at the studio. I did it in my own shop. Well, anyway, I see this dog walking, semi-transparent dog. And I basically thought to myself, oh, now is not the time. I'm busy. And it curled up and sat down in the middle of my floor in my shop. And I kept staring at it, and it wouldn't go away. The other things would just kind of come and go. They'd sort of appear, and then they disappear. Fade in, fade out. This thing was there, and it wouldn't move. I mean, it was moving, but it was looking like it was licking itself or something. Well, I, I got up from the table, put down, walked over to the thing, and I'm thinking, wow, my brain, really, to this point, I'm thinking my brain is really unbelievable. It's manufacturing the data for the other side of this dog thing I must have seen at some point in the past. So this means that I must have gotten up in the past and gone and looked at the other side of the dog for this visual information to be there. But then what I did next changed everything. I stepped on it. And when I stepped on this thing, um, my foot was ripped right out from under me as the thing ran out of the room. And it felt like a bungee cord wrapped around the bottom of my ankle, pulling me ever so slowly at first, but then accelerating exponentially to the point where my leg flung out from underneath me and went straight up in the air, and I landed on, the, on my shoulder and the back of my head on my concrete floor. And I hit my shoulder on the on the workbench, and I was actually treated for a frozen shoulder because of that over time. So that's my exposure to science undiscovered, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I, uh, you know, this stuff doesn't happen to me. I've told you this before. Yeah. This kind of stuff doesn't happen to me. I'm a science guy, okay, until it does. Then what do you do with it? Now, so you understand, I got several MRIs and a CAT scan to make sure before all this, before that incident, to make sure that, you know, my brain was okay because obviously I was concerned that maybe if I was seeing and hearing stuff, maybe something was going wrong, but it wasn't. It was fine. So armed with that information, I just went back to life and said, all right, well, this is what I have to deal with. I even started taking medication to help me focus <laughs> on my task because it was so difficult <clears throat> to focus when this was happening because all the time it's happening. Mm-hmm. Even now, as we're talking now, I, I've got sounds and and, and things kind of running around, which I, I don't can't explain. Um, but the point is, until it happens, you say, "Well, I don't believe in that stuff." And then it happens, and you go, "Now, what do I believe?" Yeah, exactly. And that's that. Okay, then. Um, well, well, let's go to Linda. Linda, what do we really know when it comes to cryptids? Uh, cryptids just be, being uh, creatures not accepted by science at this point, in case for anyone doesn't know. So, Linda. 
Right, yeah. Um, glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to have and, you. Yeah, well, I, and you know, I was thinking about this question, and the thing is, I'm not sure we really know a lot more about the cryptids themselves, but we have lots better tools and lots better um, scientific models with which to look at them and just suggest some other things that might be true. Um, for instance, I think one of the, the main um, exciting developments is that over the past couple of decades, our scientists have developed um, entire genomes for different species so that if we get some DNA and it is um, a good enough sample and tested, we could possibly tell for sure what this uh, what type of creature it is, what species it's related to, if, if it's anything known at all. And um, if it happens to be some mundane animal, that should show up easily too. Um, so we can take ever more minute samples, um, you know, like hair, um, small amounts of whatever bodily um, parts we can get and learn much more that way. And there have been some... Um, uh, examples of this that are still a little controversial. Um, you know, we haven't had a really great sample done in a completely accepted by science as as the science community is set up now uh, way, but that's, I think, going to happen. Um, we also have, as uh, we were just hearing about, um, many developments in the field of physics so that where we've been having for a long time people reporting things like a Bigfoot that would um, just vanish as you were looking at it or footsteps that began or stopped in the middle of a snowfield, something like that. People would just say, oh, well, you know, that's just fairy tales. That's just woo-woo stuff. And now we know that um, the cutting-edge physics formulas that are working on the shoulders of the giants like Einstein and those who first began um, postulating these things now show that it is very, very likely, if not... Um, it's completely expected that we do have these other worlds, you know, whether they are the multiverse or um, there are different variations. We know that there are other realities, and according to some of the most recent research, they're saying now that um, it's not only very likely they've been able to demonstrate that these worlds can sometimes bisect with ours. Um, that's been, I think, shown more theoretically and, well, in, in some lab experiments, and I don't pretend to be a scientist to speak at length on that, but in the microcosm, we're talking very small particles, we know that this is extremely probable and likely. And if and people are saying, well, if it can be so in the microcosm, that is the, the sub subatomic level, then perhaps it also applies to, you know, something big enough to transport a human, a living creature okay. of some type. I'll have to interrupt you. I'm afraid uh, our format has changed a little. We're going to take our break uh, right now, and we'll be right back on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben, you know, 101-1240, and our special 700th show, and to our special with our great panel, we'll be right back. OM-1240. If you have a Lowe's Advantage card, you can get an extra 5% off every day on items big or small. You can save an extra 5% on a new coat of paint, updating appliances, replacing the flooring, and even save an extra 5% on little things like cleaning supplies, laundry detergent, and air filters. The big to-dos to the everyday essentials. You get an extra 5% savings every day when you use your Lowe's Advantage card. If you don't have one, apply today. 
All projects have a starting point. Start with Lowe's. Subject to credit approval and can't be combined with any other credit offers. Exclusions apply. See store for details. U.S. only. Have you discovered the shops at 1300 Park Avenue, Woonsocket? Beautiful fresh flowers and one-of-a-kind gifts are at Park Square Florist. If you love food, you'll love the Honey Shop. If you have a piece of art or photo in your home that you want framed, bring it to CMM Picture Frame and Gallery. For auto, home, and life insurance, let MetLife give you a quote. Feeling stressed? Get a massage from Sarah Fague, licensed massage therapist. To achieve more peace in your life, Raven's Light is an energy healing company using Reiki and integrated energy therapy. For hairstyling and highlighting services, stop into Salon Nouveau. For a holistic approach to psychotherapy and healing, intuitive therapy can help you. A creative space for exploring the intuitive arts, Generation Z offers readings, workshops, and tools to enhance your practice. Are you self-conscious about hair growing in unwanted places? Then make an appointment with Deborah's Electrolysis. It's a whole different world inside the shops at 1300 Park Avenue, One Socket. Hello, my name is Nick Gassi. On behalf of Father Onisi Morar and our entire community at St. John the Baptist Romanian Church, we'd like to invite you to our annual festival that will take place on July 22nd from 4 to 11 p.m. and July 23rd from 12.30 to 7 p.m. Please stop by to sample our ethnic Romanian foods and pastries. Admission is free. The festival will take place on the church grounds, 501 East School Street, Woonsocket, Rhode Island. We look forward to seeing you there, and thank you for your support. You can depend on us for public service, Owen Radio. Okay, and we're back with Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno and with our special guests, Shane Shearway, Linda Godfrey, and Mark D'Antonio. For our 700th show, a special panel on various paranormal subjects. Sorry to have interrupted your profound thought, Linda. Please continue uh, on the issue of uh, cryptids and what we really know and the new science that's uh, been involved here uh, in your um, description so far. Right. Well, I was just commenting on um, just the very basic background of these new um, discoveries in science that show us that it's highly likely and probable that there are other worlds or realities, whatever you want to call them, and that they may be accessible to us. And what this does, the effect that this has um, on the search for cryptids, you know, things that people used to call werewolves, Bigfoot, um, all these heretofore unknown animals that were relegated to the fairy tale section of the library, now there's suddenly um, a a rationale or a possibility that shows us, no, these are just taken out of that fairy tale realm and brought into a different sort of light. And um, there's also, related to this, the, the, um, the actual practical thing in which our equipment for monitoring these creature, creatures, or at least possibly monitoring them, has also grown ever more complex and sensitive and that cheap I mean, I can afford a dash cam. I have my husband gave me one for my last birthday, so that and I have that on my uh, windshield whenever I'm in a possible, especially driving at night, so that if something runs across the road, I have it already recorded and can review it at my leisure. Good idea. Um, yeah, um, there are people who have multiple trail cams out. Drones are another thing we're starting to see. See, and it still doesn't give us so far the perfect. Uh, delineated photo that the final, you know, as people like to call it, money shot 
because the, it's the one that they can look at and say, ah, yeah, you couldn't fake that. We have it. We're still waiting for that. But the chances of that happening are multiplied um, by a huge amount when we have this widespread distribution of cameras and other types of EM, um, uh, uh, EM things that, excuse me, uh, EM, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, equipment and monitors, that was the word I was thinking for, um, which we use in the ghost hunting field, as I think as well as maybe used in the uh, cryptid field, because mm-hmm. we're, trying to, we're trying to ascertain whether these things are completely natural to our world, or maybe if there's a, what my latest view is that there's sort of a, a shifting um, sliding scale of reality that goes all the way from complete, dense, natural, flesh and blood creatures to the things that we see where there are obviously phantoms, appear, phantom dogs and wolves appearing in people's bedrooms or I have a whole chapter on shadow wolves in my most recent book. And, you know, the interesting thing is that this tallies perfectly with what Native Americans have been telling me since I've been asking them and which goes way back um, uncountable years in their storytelling culture, which says that these creatures, Bigfoot, um, the upright canine, dogmen, perhaps mothmen, are both of the spirit world and this one, and they can get to or from because they know where the portals or doors are, and that would really explain very well why somebody might see a slightly transparent animal that then appears solid or vice versa, or how they can appear to um, go invisible to us when they're just shifting into their own natural reality. It would also help explain why almost every photo is blurry. If we're trying to capture from our natural reality something that maybe just, you know, half a grain off in the next reality, just a different enough vibration so that our recording instruments don't quite function as they should. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's go to Shane. And uh, do we know anything more, Shane, about ghosts and poltergeists than we did during the last Ice Age? Absolutely, I do believe that. Um, not all of us, though. <laughs> I, think, I, think, <laughs> right. I think some of us, but I think there's still so many um, op- operating with the, the old um, preconceived, the you know, popular... Um, you know, using say in the event of like a negative haunting, um, you know, it's, it's the most popular is to use religion or spirit, some sort of spiritualism to combat this entity and, and drive it away. Um, but we, I started noticing when I did my work, started doing this work a long time ago that that's hit or miss, and, and most of the time it doesn't work. And if it does work, it ends up coming back because you didn't treat the original problem and the reason for the connection between the the afflicted and the entity to begin with. So there's always something that that triggers that and allows that interaction. So we we need to identify that and treat that the root cause. Um, and so when the we the old ways was you know using religion and spiritualism and um, they weren't actually treating the, the, the issue so it would come back but that, that, that seemed to be and it's still so many people just um, using that and I've gone and helped you know groups that use those tactics when it didn't work and then I go in there and I show them how, how I do it um, and you know I, I kind of connected some dots a long time ago because I, I un, unlearned everything I thought I knew and, and um and put in a process to identify trends, and I started to 
to make connections as to what is actually triggering these these negative hauntings and what's allowing them to to continue to escalate. Um, and so, <clears throat> oh, and then you have a. Uh, you know, so it's either religion or spiritualism, and then you had people like Hans Holter who believed that in order to um, deal with any negative haunting, you had you had to have a psychic, and I, that's absolutely not true either, um, because that just surrenders the, the fact that um, we need to break down the mechanics and, and learn about the mechanics and what allows the haunt, instead of just you know um, bringing in a psychic to tell you whatever. I mean, there are some legitimate psychics, don't get me wrong, um, but. Um, so what we do know um, is that these I mean we don't know for sure but what it, what it really appears to be is that these, these uh, negative entities what we call parasitic entities um, are some kind of life form and um, like we said it before they're solid you know you can feel them um, I've been bumped by them a couple times I've ran into them you, you've tussled with one Paul well, tell me about it <laughs> yeah, so um, and, and also in, a lot of times you know we we can't see these parasites. Um, it could be that they're operating in a different light spectrum or whatever, um, but they're definitely from, we'd say, verse jump, or they can, you know, go from one parallel to the other type of thing. And what what it appears, and, and you know, we don't know for 100% sure, but of all the cases I've done over, over, the, over 30 years, and I'm talking thousands of people I've helped, um, and I, using the tactic that I've come up with, it works 100 percent of the time. It's not hit or miss like the religion or spiritualism, and and it's it's because those tactics ignore the fact that we are participants in this process, and um, in some way unknowingly, but usually um, we are participants. So um, the afflicted are the people that finally get you know come down with this attachment from this parasite. Almost always have you know put themselves in a paranormal situation when they were full of fear and that kind of drew this thing in. These things are uh, attracted to fear, um, or they were going through something life altering that that lowered their emotional frequency. Their you know um, that attracted a parasite to them, and that's what continues to um, this this parasite will continue to escalate that, escalate those emotions, to feed off those emotions, the fear and and everything else like that. So um, I go in there and identify, you know, what changed in the person's life because so many times per persons live there for 20 years and all of a sudden, you know, boom, now all of a sudden they're being attacked. They weren't before. Uh, so what changed? What altered your life or your emotional state of being? Um, that drew this thing in. And, and we're always going to come down to something life-altering or they mess around with the Ouija board and they got freaked out and something actually did attach to them. It's always going to be something. So... What I, I truly believe that um, these things aren't just someone that died and they're mad and they're going around picking on people, like, you know, or, you know what I mean, or yeah. um, something that crawled up from, you know, inside the earth, you know, and, um, and, and uh, like a demon or something and attacking people. They are some kind of life form and they, they do feed off of fear and negativity and, and us, and they're able to connect. Not only that, are they attracted to it, but they're connected like a two-way radio when we're at in the lowered frequency. And that's how they're able to interact with us so strongly when we're in those states. So um, I've elevated um, people's emotional state of being, helped them through problems, um, helped them to understand that they don't have to be afraid because they are in control of this thing's ability to stick around. It's not the other way around. 
and tell them not to pay attention to it because when you give anything attention you're actually giving it energy and so they they need that too so um, ignore it if something happens don't fear it and also work through their personal problem and it goes away every time it breaks that connection mm -hmm. now before we go around the table again Ben did you have any comments uh? oh yeah sure I mean you know it's we've 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 been talking about where, where how how far we've come in the different different fields that we're in, and I think it's it's somewhat ironic that the field of um, you know ghosts and poltergeists, m most of the people who are the the big the big people in the field, they're they seem to be behind every other field. No, but not excluding us, I should say, not not to toot our own horn, but it's it's weird because they're trying to prove something. And I remember talking with somebody at a conference a few years ago, and they were like, oh, well, we're out to get evidence. And I was like, well, who, who are you trying to prove this to? And they were like, oh, well, you know, science. I'm like, So you're trying to use 19th century spiritualism to try to prove to an empirical sense of reasoning and materialistic science that there's an, there's an afterlife, essentially. And they were like, well, yeah. And I was like, I don't... It, it, it boggles my mind that... It, the, the paradoxes that exist in not only our our field of expertise, but in in every field, it's interesting to see that um, the field of ghost hunting, which they use all this technology, is is still stuck in this really weird weird line of thinking that if I just if I try hard enough, if I set up enough cameras, I'll, I'll get something. Something will happen, and I'll I'll win. I'll win the ghost hunting, and it's. It's it's so it's so odd to see that amateur investigators are doing these things and they treat it like bird watching when really you know every other other field you know people aren't going out there like like oh wow well, I've I've had big feet in my house all my life so I, I guess I guess I'll just investigate them you know they they seem to have some sort of sense of you know scientific backing some sort of sense of reason that follows along with what they're doing rather than oh well you know it's probably dead people. You know, I guess it's Uncle Eddie. You know, he's just hanging out in the attic. But it's it's interesting that it's treated in such a way as being a member of the field and seeing how other groups operate. That I think what's really really hurting this field most is how it's perceived. Because you see, a majority of these people, especially when I I met, I'm my name comes up in conversations, especially you know with my wife's coworkers or other coworkers. They're like, oh, you wrote a book on the paranormal. You know, I used a Ouija board last week. You know, what do, they, what do you say about that? It's just like, it's how it's portrayed, at, at least at least how how it seems to me is that it's like, you know, it's it's a cool thing to do, but not not much thought is put into it as opposed to other other fields where it's like, all right, well, if if these are extraterrestrials, why are they here? What are they doing here? How's how are they getting here? You know, or if it's if it's cryptozoological, all right. Well, let's go out and track these things down. Let's use biology to figure out their their genealogy, where they come from, how they could have evolved, if that's at all possible. But yet with ghosts, it's like, oh well, you know, it's some dead guy. <laughs> right, right, right. So I think I think that I think that some some in some areas our our field has come a long way. All of our fields have, but you know, again, it's it's the first day of school and how it's portrayed to you know the the society at large is still that you know we wear we wear tinfoil hats and um we're not serious or maybe we are or maybe people are becoming more serious it seems as if you know people the the more conversations i i have with with my peers 
the more they're starting to open up about this. Like, a few, few of my wife's friends are very religious, and, you know, I started talking to them about, you know, quantum physics and, you know, the idea of the multiple worlds interpretation of quantum physics, and they started, you know, sort of opening up about that. Hmm. And they're like, that's really interesting. You know, I've never heard of it put that way. I always just sort of thought it was demons or dead people. Right. You know, maybe maybe there's there's a, some sort of a dialogue that's that's opening, not only with our fields, but every field, that there's something bigger behind all of this and maybe we're on the cusp of you know the the paradigm shift as it were i mean you know it's not going to prove anything to mainstream science but you know as you say dad you know newtonian physics is great for building bridges and getting you to the moon but it can't really describe the mysteries of the universe well effectively yeah and so let's get back to our panel but just before the comment i'm already seeing the three uh, three panelists, and of course my my, uh, my son, um, who was uh, sort of I guess on the panel today too, uh, coming back uh, to some commonalities uh, in in the thinking here, uh, all, you know, which has to do with parallel universes and, and worlds and things interacting and overwashing things of this kind. So we'll get into that a bit later. But right now we have another break. Uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal on ON 1240 with our 700th show and our great panel. We'll be right back. O.N. 1240. Hi, this is Ron Miller of the Fournier and Fournier Funeral Home. As an exclusive and proud member of Veterans and Memorial Care, we are pleased to offer special discounts to those who have honorably served. Please visit our website at FournierandFournier.com and click on the Veterans and Memorial Care icon for additional information. Or call us at 401-769-0940. Service is what we do best. Your peace of mind and comfort in your time of need is what we strive for. On the banks of the Blackstone River sits River Falls Restaurant, Northern Rhode Island's number one steak and seafood restaurant. Delicious, affordable meals. Summer is here. Now is the time to enjoy outside dining on the patio overlooking the Blackstone River at River Falls Restaurant. Warm summer breezes and the sounds of the river going by. You'll love it. Call River Falls Restaurant for reservations, 235-9026, 235-9026, River Falls Restaurant. It's your business. The health of our economy, the strength of our businesses affects every individual, every family. I'm Frank Prosnick. Each Thursday, we'll visit with leaders to discuss important business and economic issues. Join me Thursdays at 4 p.m. on WOON. It's your business because it is. This ON 1240 forecast brought to you by Design Wood Floors in Blackstone. Design Wood Floors is dedicated to the fine art of designing and installing unique wood floors. For questions or ideas about wood floors, call Design Wood Floors at 617-967-4071. Today's forecast will be sunny with a high near 85. Tonight we'll have patchy fog in the early morning hours, otherwise partly cloudy with a low around 64. Monday we'll have patchy fog before 8 a.m., otherwise mostly sunny with a high near 84. Monday night, patchy fog after midnight, otherwise mostly cloudy and a low around 66. Tuesday, a chance of showers with thunderstorms also possible afternoon. Patchy fog before 9 a.m., otherwise mostly cloudy with a high near 83. Tuesday night, mostly cloudy with a low around 67. Wednesday, a chance of showers, mostly sunny with a high near 88. Wednesday night, partly cloudy with a low around 69. Thursday, mostly sunny with a high near 90. 
Friday, a chance of showers, mostly sunny with a high near 84. And Saturday, mostly sunny with a high near 82. Okay, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And our panel today for our two-hour special and our 700th show, uh, Mark Antonio, astronomer, expert in the UFO field, Linda Godfrey, uh, prolific author, journalist, and uh, expert in the field of cryptozoology, and Shane Searway, uh, distinguished colleague of ours who is a, um, expert, an expert in the field of ghosts and poltergeists. Now, let, let's uh, get to another question, everyone, and we'll start with Mark. Uh, are amateur investigators hurting the field? And I'm interested in hearing this because uh, the three fields may have different answers to this. So, Mark, do you think are amateur UFO investigators hurting the field in any way? Well, uh, it, it, I, I'd be uh, I'd be hard pressed to say that uh, I want someone to stop investigating UFOs. But what I would actually like to, if I could, just swing that question a little bit a different way, if you don't sure. mind. Okay, um, it's not the amateurs that are hurting. They're they're actually in search of the answers, and I respect and I I help them every chance I can get. I give them access to technology that maybe they don't have. I try to help them with their understanding of topics. Uh, as you know, I'm a photo and video analyst in, in, as well, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a lot involved with that. You have to know everything from human anatomy all the way to the earth sciences galore. So there's a big, big uh, pot there that you have to figure out. Now, so the amateurs that I'm, I'm actually out to help, and I have hopes the amateurs, for instance, can jump in and become proficient. What's hurting our industry are the charlatans, the people that go out there and say they have made contact, say that they have all this stuff going, mm. say that they have, if you'll just pay your $2,500 a session... Uh, will show you aliens, <clears throat> okay? Uh, and these are the people that are hurting us, all right? They're the ones that are, are are making it impossible for the media to, and it's really the media now that we need, for the media to take this seriously. Because when you have a guy, uh, and, and I don't know uh, if you're, uh, if you're, I'm allowed to name names, but... Uh, well, probably not. Obviously, probably not? Okay. Yeah. Well, that, that's fine. Then uh, well, it, it, I won't name names. Okay. Uh, but I'll just leave it at that. People know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, he charges thousands of dollars a head for you to attend his very special session. And, and he's made movies uh, from donations from people. And uh, I predicted that the movie, the first movie he made, would uh, end with him saying, well, I have more questions than answers. And the reason is because he wants to keep the gravy train rolling. Okay. Mm-hmm and get more money from people that still expect an answer from him. As usual, and as expected, he said exactly that. Then he has another movie which came out, and he promised to reveal classics. on that immediately and said, what a liar you are. And I just, I call it like it is. Mm-hmm. You are not going to reveal any classified information. That's a bold-faced lie. You're telling that to people who don't know that you can't, reveal classified information because if you even said you were going to reveal classified information the secret service the nsa the cia would be all exactly. over in a heartbeat ask me how i know for years since 1995 i've had a high clearance and i've been doing every year i sign my life away mm-hmm. okay that says i will not reveal anything we've done i will not discuss this project 
and project by project by project, you get briefed into the project, and then you are briefed out of the project, and then when you leave that project, you take a polygraph. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's right. I've had many polygraphs. In fact, friends with so many polygraph examiners that they're, they're all buddies now. So, that said, okay, that's why when I read these things, as someone who knows from the inside looking out, okay, I know that he was lying about that. And I don't like that. That's taking advantage of people who don't know that this doesn't... It doesn't mean they're stupid. They're not stupid people. They want to believe. And someone who capitalizes on that, all right, and preys on people, and it's preying on people, okay, that really irritates me. Can you tell? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no, point well yeah. taken. Uh, Linda, what say you about the, uh, the cryptid field, our... Um and let's extend it to reality shows. Are amateur investigators and reality shows uh, or charlatans uh, hurting the field? Well, yeah, charlatans, unfortunately, we seem to always have with us in all the fields. Mm. And they do a great disservice. Um, and I'm including in that people who hoax sightings um, because the general public, and, and they, they do a great harm to the general public's image of these fields because when somebody, an average person hears that there was a guy wearing a ghillie suit out on the highway in Montana um, pretending to jump out at cars to be Bigfoot and that this actually happened about five years ago and then the guy was hit by two cars and they go, well, that's the, that's the end of Bigfoot, that's what Bigfoot was, Bigfoot is now explained, you know, that and they tend to just drop it there. Um, the same thing when we had the, the uh, Michigan dog man in Michigan, which is a statewide phenomenon. I personally know many people. I've had probably a partial sighting of one there myself. I know it's real, but when you have a hoax that, such as the one that was played by um, a Michigan radio personality and an amateur filmmaker where um, they were showing, again, a guy in a ghillie suit that was reported to be the Michigan dogma. Well, this was this hoax was debunked and outed on Monster Quest TV with both of these people making on-air professions. They showed us all the equipment. And um, with that debunked, people were saying, oh, there's no Michigan dog man. And actually, the thing on camera never even stood up, never even looked like a dog man. But because it was labeled the Michigan dog man, it was proven to be a hoax, which is great. I think that should always happen, and people should be informed. The net effect was, oh, well, that was the Michigan dog man. You know, we don't need, we can continue making fun of that, you know, and and not support it. So, yeah, that's, that's a huge thing, um, you know, in all of these fields that I, I really dislike seeing. Um, mm-hmm. As far as the reality shows and um, amateurs and that sort of thing, um, I, I do think, again, it does get hard when you have a show that's promising week after week after week that they're going to discover something and... and um, you know, it, the, the truth is most people who look for these things know that it's when you're looking the hardest that you don't have any results. Um, <laughs> in my case, it's always been true, you know, that as much as I'm excited that, and always hopeful when we have new electronic equipment or devices, um, in my own experience, I've, <clears throat> I've had my own... Oh, excuse me, something doesn't want me to say this. <laughs> I'm just being superstitious. Uh, when I've had my own experiences, invariably have been when I wasn't expecting it. I had no electronic equipment, not even a cell phone, nothing to record it with. Um, just happened, you know, that I thought, or I was in a position where I couldn't do anything about it. So um, 
it isn't that these things are always going to be um, leading to definite proof and when you lead a lot of people to expect that they will, again, there's general disappointment and uh, they look negatively at the field. And then another thing I think, and I know this happens in other fields too, is that when you have people who have either um, you know, published a lot or done a lot of field work or been seen on TV shows or whatever, and they come to have an established position, um, which in my mind isn't exactly real investigation anymore. When you've got when you've got your idea and you're set in it, and then you start having to defend it, that often leads to attacking other people's positions. And instead of these investigators working towards some sort of common good. It just, again, divides up the field. It wastes everybody's time and energy. And, again, the public looks and says, ah, they can't agree. They can't even, you know, they're fighting between themselves. How am I supposed to know which one to believe? So all of these things, I believe, are um, just, you know, not productive for real research. Okay. Shane, what about the field of ghost <coughs> research uh, or amateurs and fakers and the sort of thing that reality shows hurting the field. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the problem I have is with the people that watch these shows and they, they decide that they're going to go out and do this work, and it's not, it, you know, it, it's fine if they do like the Ghost Adventures crew and they go into empty buildings and, and um, you know, use equipment and stuff like that because they're not out there saying that they can help people that are being, you know, has a negative haunting. Um, someone that's actually being tormented, um, they're not pretending to do that. Um, but the problem I have with the, is with the people that watch these shows and decide that they want to go out and investigate people's homes that are being haunted in a very bad way, um, telling them that they can help them. Um, now, a lot of times, um, a lot of my cases in the last few years have been uh, individuals or groups who interview a, a, somebody that gets a hold of them and say, you know, I'm, I have this negative haunt and I'm being attacked or whatever, um, and they decide, well, it's over my head. And then they'll contact me and I go in with them and I help them. I, I show them my process and we fix the problem for, this, for, for their client and everything. Um, but it's the ones that go in there and they mess it up so much. I mean, and because by by going in and doing focusing nothing on um, nothing but trying to get um, evidence, you're given it attention. But if you don't have the ability to manipulate the haunt and get rid of the haunt, then this attention that you're feeding it by doing all this investigative and all these cameras and all this stuff, and you're just set up for days on end, you're feeding this haunt. You're making it worse. And and um, there's a, a famous uh, ghost couple that Paul you worked with in the 70s who was notorious for this and, and, and not to badmouth anybody or nothing like that but um, I've spoken to plenty of uh, their former clients that were very upset because they felt like that's what they were there to do was to antagonize and also um, make money and uh, make fame yeah. and so uh, the, 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 the haunting in Connecticut case um, they did a revisited show on that I'm, I'm pretty sure most people that follow ghosts and that type of Paranormal is familiar with that case. Um, it was they made a movie out of it and everything. But those people um, d during the revisited episode, they they were very upset and said they would have no nothing to do with them anymore after what they pulled at their home. Um, so it's it's people that that work in that manner um, that go in and just 
either and try to antagonize it for the sake of evidence, um, and, but it's at the client's risk. You're supposed to be there to help them. So, you know, you watch these shows, a lot of these people, they're watching these shows, they form these groups, and they go out and tell people they can help them. And, I, and that does hurt the field. It, it makes, you know, but there, there still are people out there trying to do it for the right reasons, uh, but they need to make sure that they take the steps to know how to do it properly. And not a lot of people know how to do it properly. Right, true. Uh, ben, any comment uh, on that question? Well, I, I suppose you know I, I have to agree with everyone that in in this in our in our various fields you have to deal with all sorts of people who really don't know much or aren't willing to know much. You know they they're, they're sort of in it for their their own reasons and not really in the pursuit of of truth or whatever. So I think I think they're hurting it, but also at the same time I think it's good that there's an interest. In this, you know, maybe maybe there's a, a flip side to this. You know, maybe it's it might be drawing attention, albeit for the wrong reasons. But there would there are are people I know who you know that got interested in in the subject through reality TV shows who really were interested in know, knowing the truth, and they were like, well, this doesn't seem good enough. Maybe there's an alternate reason for this. Maybe there's more, and they start doing research and finding you know people like us, and and start to sort of think, oh, maybe there's a different explanation for this. So I think you know it has its it has its place and it's damaging, but also there might be a flip side to it that isn't really considered. Okay. Now we're coming up to the end of our first hour, and uh, we're going to do this twice in this show. I wanted to uh, give uh, our panelists a chance to talk about their books and their website, where people can find out more. Now, Linda, you've written more books, I think, than all of us put together. So why don't you begin and tell us about uh, again your books and where people can get them and how people get your website, etc. Sure. Well, um, my website is my WordPress blog, which is lindagodfrey.com. No www, just com, And you can find different pages for all of these things. There's a book list. Um, there is a form if you, you know, want to talk to me about a sighting or something like that. Um, and also a number of um, reports that are not in the book or are just other things that I want to discuss. Uh, quite a few things. And my latest book just came out last October. It's called Monsters Among Us. And um, it actually sort of relates to this show theme because what I was trying to do was take the cryptid report that had other anomalies associated with them or things like UFOs, um, just strange uh, poltergeist effects which occur after many cryptid sightings, that's kind of an unknown thing, and make a little uh, bracket at the end of each uh, story showing not only whether I could find related sightings of UFOs or other things, but also, um, if the date was precise enough, whether the moon phase seemed to have any effect, whether there was a large solar flare. And by the way, I did find solar flares seem mm-hmm. to occur more often during cryptid sightings than full moon. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's just comparing and contrasting some of these things and trying to find out whether there really is an association and that instead of having separate compartmentalized fields of ghost hunting, UFOs, creatures, whether we should all be collaborating a little bit more and trying to run all of this stuff through some sort of, you know, an, an anomaly chart where we can look and, and see if uh, it points us to certain places that yeah. we should be investigating in terms of the creatures' origins and what they want and what they're doing. And well, there that's are why, Every, everyone on the show today, all, all um, what are there, five of us, uh, are in a cabal here with our 
our own flap cases. We keep you in the loop and you help us with some of them, and that's going to continue. Okay, uh, Mark, I understand you're working on a book. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, the book's uh, titled The Populated Universe, and it talks about uh, my conviction that the universe is predisposed to the creation of life and or the building blocks of life. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition, uh, in in my quest for the search, I've actually started something called the Sky Tour live stream, which uh, I don't think you guys have seen it yet. But no, uh, you might have seen pictures. But I've uh, built a full blown observatory here. Uh, I have a building here that, that has a, a large telescope in it, and uh, on clear nights, I take people on tours of the deep sky and show them all kinds of crazy things. It's really wonderful. We have music in the background, and we talk and take questions from chat. It's wonderful. And that's, uh, you can find that on YouTube uh, under Sky Tour Livestream with Mark D'Antonio. I've seen that, uh, yeah. And you can also uh, find me on Facebook under the Mark D'Antonio, but you can... Uh, then for, for FX Models, my business, um, you can see what we do by looking at our Facebook site called FX Models Planetary Replicas. And you can see the... Uh, the large planets that we put in buildings all over the world. Um, so uh, we also, the last thing I'll mention is that we now have a companion site which came online a couple days ago. It's called uh, astroimaginglive.com. Yeah. And I've combined with two other uh, heavy-duty astro streamers, people that stream, and we've come up with a website where all of our streams are live right next to each other. And you can just click on the one you want to see and back out and go back into it and just pop back and forth between all the live streams. Uh, and we have uh, uh, my stream. Okay, I'll have to interrupt because we have to take our top-of-the-hour break, yeah. Mark, but we'll continue as soon as we get back. It's Behind the Paranormal. With- Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Well, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. It's the second hour of our two-hour special in our 700th show. Our panelists today are Shane Searway, for the, speaking of the subject of ghosts and poltergeists, Linda Godfrey, a prolific author and crypt, cryptid expert, cryptids being Bigfoot, etc. And we're, uh, we also have Mark D'Antonio, a trained astronomer and an expert in the UFO field, uh, all very good friends of ours and... Um, uh, popular right. guests from our previous shows. We're having a grand old time here. We are, we are. So let's pick up where we left off before the break. Mark, you were talking uh, about your new site and project and uh, streaming on YouTube, and uh, why don't you continue just describing that, please? Yeah, sure. It, it, the bottom line is that, you know, when we look forward to, uh, you know, public outreach for doing, say, astronomy or something, and I've worked professionally in astronomy for, for, for years, um, the problem is that you just don't have access to the sky all the time. The weather's bad or whatever. But when we do, it's nice to have good instrumentation. So we have some good instrumentation. Actually, we have top-of-the-line instrumentation. And we can take a picture of a galaxy, for instance, now with a very sensitive cameras in just like two or three seconds that might have taken 15 or 20 minutes in the past. And now that brings us down to the level where we can say, hang on, folks. I'm going to take a picture of this faint galaxy, and you're going to see it in two, three, two or three seconds. And then, pow, it's on the screen. They can see it, and then we can talk about it. So it brings astronomy back into uh, the realm of possibility because 
people always have to spend money to do astronomy because the instruments are so expensive. Well, I did that already. I got all those instruments. So the SkyTour live stream allows people to see that, and you can find us on our, that's, that's our YouTube channel, is the SkyTour you know, Sky live stream with Mark Antonio, as I said. And uh, go join it. Subscribe. It's free. Uh, and uh, there's a companion site on Facebook that the, uh, you know, on Facebook for the SkyTour live stream as well. Uh, and by the same name. And Excellent. I put all the photos that we take in a not up on the site so people can see them, take them down, and do their own processing if they like. And I also do some processing to show them what, what they can look like. So that's the new thrust, and coupled with our, our uh, companion site, which is called astroimaginglive.com, which came on live a couple days ago, we have two other streams, um, P&K Skywatch, uh, I'm sorry, P&K Sky, uh, Sky, uh, the P&K Space Imaging, all right, with Paul and Keith, and Bill New York Skywatcher. So we have those three streams. You know, we have wide-angle views of the sky looking for meteors. We have pictures of the moon and Saturn and Jupiter uh, with P&K. And then we have me doing deep sky narrations and taking people on a tour of the night sky and telling them what they're looking at. Outstanding. Well, how does it relate to UFOs? Well, it doesn't relate to UFOs directly, does it? But uh, we are, the, the observatory was built as a test bed for the UFOTOG 2 project for all the instrumentation. So while we're doing these tours, we've actually got instruments on the telescope that are being tested for the UFOTOG 2 project. I'm just not talking about it. Well, it's funny. We have <laughs> yeah, a listener question about that project, cool. actually. <laughs> but we'll get to that in a minute. Now, Shane. Okay. Uh, Shane, uh, what have you got going on? And uh, you, but what about your website? Uh, my Are you web- working on a book, too? Yeah, I am. I'm, once again, starting a book. Okay. <laughs> for the million time. But um, I'm actually making good progress right now. So um, I've been asked for many, many years from people uh, for a book. And so hopefully I can make that happen in the near future. Um, but, uh, yeah, TrueGhost.com is my website. All my contact information is there. If you ever, you know, need me for anything or uh, you just want to share your thoughts on anything, uh, sh- give me a shout. Um and also, I got a handful of lectures coming up in the, in the next few months or whatever. But I'm sure I'll be back on the show before then. I can kind of go over that, and because um, it's a little ways out now. And um, and and the flap case we're working on that we won't disclose the the location or t- or time, but we'll be going there in the near future. And um, I look forward to reporting on that as well because uh, two, two visits there, and we had some great experiences both times. So yeah, I, I really. hope that continues. But yeah. So that's that's which book. leads right into our, our new book. Ben and I, uh, our second book in six months. It's pretty fast for us. Uh, Behind the Paranormal Two: Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of, in which both Shane and Linda feature very prominently. Uh, their interviews on this show, and of course Shane uh, being present in this this Pennsylvania flat case and the experiences we've had and the photographs from that uh, really start out the Bigfoot chapter. And, of course, Linda, very, very prominent in the uh, Canine Cryptids chapter and throughout the book. Don't worry, Mark, you'll be in the next one. All right, so, so let's continue uh, with, okay, <laughs> with our questions. Um, let's go, I, we have a bunch of our own questions here, but let's start with, uh, there's a question for Mark from Chris in Franklin, Tennessee. For sure, and Chris writes to us. I'd like to ask Mark about uh, or, or what UFOTOG is, uh, how far along is it, and uh, what he hopes it will accomplish. Also, what UFO shows will he be on in the future? They, they love you, Mark. Okay. I, I, well, 
they want to just throw things at the TVs, I think. But um, <laughs> as far as the shows, let me just go over that. Um, I, I do the uh, have been doing all the seasons of National's Unexplained Files as a photo and video analyst. Uh, I, I kind of think of myself, and, and they do too, actually, as a voice of reason uh, that could be amid the chaos at times. Uh, I also do the seasons of What on Earth, which is another television show. Uh, and I think that, I forget that channel, but the other one, National Unexplained, is on Discovery. Um, and and there's a few more things brewing in the background, but, but uh, those are the two primary shows that I'm on a, a lot, all the time. And as far as the UFOTOG, uh, UFOTOG, it's called UFOTOG because it's UFO and FOTOG. Now, when Douglas Trumbull named it UFOTOG, he was the originator of the name and the original unit, which was a Humvee. Uh, with instrumentation, it would pop out of the top and, and look for UFOs. Um, this uh, name comes from the fact that in the old days, uh, photographers were called photog, F-O-T-O-G, uh, photog. And so he said UFO photog. Hey, that's pretty cool, and he made us the name. Keeping the name, we went to UFOTOG 2, because when I met him six years ago, I said, hey, beautiful Humvee, it's amazing, but can't we see something a little more advanced, maybe a platter with instruments on it now would take advantage of the new technology. He thought it was a great idea. And long story short, we've been heading toward that realm. Um, the observatory, as I said, is a test platform for UFOTOG2, and instruments that are going to be coming online onto UFOTOG2's platters are first tested here in a controlled environment of the observatory. And I actually 3D printed uh, attachment units to actually mount these units to the telescope that custom unit and uh, so it's pretty cool that uh, the telescope doubles as that for us now so we have tested the camera we think we're actually going to use uh, a specific uh, camera chip that comes from Sony um, and uh, we are going to further test uh, a gamma ray detector uh, an EMF uh, detector a spectrometer a spectrometer actually and a few other instruments so this is taking a lot longer than I thought it would, and I take the blame for that. I thought this would be a year, and that was, what, three years ago? So that's, I think that's when you first mentioned you know, it, yeah. Got, right? It was a long time ago. Um, and we've got scientists from once Livermore working with us, you know, uh, you know some are present there, presently there, some are retired. So, you know, it goes on and on, and, and of course, Doug's got all kinds of things going on. Um, Doug Trumbull, himself, yeah. And yeah, Douglas Trumbull. Yeah, and the, and the studio keeps expanding, uh, and he and he keeps doing more things. And, and it's like, Doug, come on, keep your eye with me on the UFOs. He's like, I want to, but I can't. I got to do this, you know. So um, he's heading for a dream of his own, uh, which is to get an answer to what UFOs are all about. And his good friend Jacques Vallée has actually uh, said uh, when we met with him out in Arizona, he actually said that he would uh, help us out. He would become part of our UFOs team to give us an assist. And Jacques Vallée, of course, is a, a huge name in the UFO field. And Yeah, we uh, hope to get him on the show soon. Assist. I don't know why you can't. I mean, he's... Well, we haven't tried yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. All right, I'm sorry. I thought I misunderstood. Uh, a failure on our part, yeah. Well, he, he's definitely doing show circuits again because he stopped for a long, long time. Yeah. And, uh, he, he just did another one, and he did the one with us, uh, and, and he, he came out to Doug, of course, because uh, Doug and I spoke out in Arizona, and he came to, to, to that conference. It was great. So anyway, uh, that, that's what UFOTOG 2 is. We're, we're, we're in the testing phase. 
but the camera chip has been selected, and the camera itself has been designed. Okay. So. All right, uh, Shane had a comment. Yeah, yeah, I wanted to comment on that. Uh, Hi, Shane. Hey, man. Uh, yeah, so um, as far as Photog goes, like, well, earlier, I think it was earlier this year, um, Tom DeLong was nominated for Ufologist of the Year for whatever reason because he hasn't really done anything yet. Yeah. Um, it's up for talk. But I, I wanted to say if when Mark launches his Ufotog, I'll be the first to nominate him for Ufologist of the Year because I think this oh, is wow. going to be... Oh, that's, that's, I think this will be the most amazing thing ever in ufology. It's amazing, yeah, absolutely. You humble me, man. Um, you humble me. But you, you, you know, humble. This, isn't, <laughs> this yeah. isn't an individual thing, you know. This is this is a group effort, you know. Right, you do. Um, and I've talked to you about, you know, and you've heard some of my experiences. And they said these things don't happen to me. <laughs> I'm a science guy. This stuff doesn't happen to me until it does. Right. And mm-hmm. then you gotta like, oh, what do you do with it? You know, it's like, wow. You know, I I I just don't understand. There you know, go. and yeah, we all have experiences like that, and and they're kind of like epiphanies, where you, you right, and, and Paul and Ben, you both know, and, and, and Shane and Linda probably know, it, you know, it it changes your perspective midstream. All of a sudden, you go, oh my, I didn't really know what that was all about after all. Yeah, I'm, it changes I'm not, your life. I don't understand physics as I thought I did, right? Yep. There you go. Well, we have a question for Linda uh, from Lauren in Cadillac, Michigan. Yes, and Lauren writes to us. I'm a huge fan of Linda's and would like to ask her about several things. Uh, can she tell us about the corn monster of Wynn, Michigan? We'll start with that question first. The corn monster of Wynn, Michigan. Okay, I'm going to have to um, think just a second because I have quite a few numbers of these and a couple of different um, corn, things called corn monsters, but if it's the one I'm thinking of, it was um, an encounter where a person was driving along at night, as so many encounters with these upright, uh, you know, dog, dog or wolf-like creatures are. And um, I, I think I might have also called this one creature of the corn. And happened to see one of these creatures, and it was um, partly, I think, on its hind legs, but it was also observed crawling like what he called, if you remember those G.I. Joe doll, commando dolls that would have this sort of flat crawl? I do. Where I think you and I are the same vintage, uh, Linda. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, well, you know, if you can imagine a little jointed action figure with limbs positionable so that if you laid it down flat, you could make it look like the arms and the legs were crawling. Because it wasn't exactly like a human, but he said it was reminding him of that in the way it was attempting to move across the field. And I'm, I'm hoping I've got the right incident. But um, the thing that was remarkable about that incident was that it was an example that um, these creatures have some sort of sense of wanting to remain hidden and that they're able to um, actually position themselves so that it's difficult to be seen. And it was just sort of sheer luck that this one was, was cited. But it also makes you think, they could be, you know, like if you think, well, they must have dense, dense forests in order to exist. No, they don't. Um, they can have a moderate amount of meadow grass. Um, they can have just a, a wildlife corridor along a river that they can wind through otherwise um, less hospitable territory. Or they can alter their own mode of locomo- locomotion um, so that they present the lowest profile possible. And that says something about their intelligence and about their adaptability and in all makes it some of these somewhat unlikely seeming stories seem to be much more likely. 
Well, there you go. Uh, Lauren uh, has... Oh, yes, yes, she has, she has another, another, another question as well. Sorry. I was, I was looking up the corn monster of Lynn, Michigan on my uh. phone. Um, <laughs> so she also asks, also, how often are canine cryptids seen in packs as opposed to single uh, canine cryptids? Well, I wouldn't say that it's super often, but it does happen. And um, I know it started right in the very beginning, back in the early 90s, I had a sighting from, from these uh, two brothers up in northern uh, New York State who had been driving along the highway with daylight, and they saw two upright wolf-like creatures just sort of trotting, up, uh, you know, just two abreast alongside the, the roadway and just running along as if they belonged there on their hind legs. And I think that, I remember that one always because it was the first sighting I'd had of more than one creature. Most of the time, probably 90% of the time when there's a sighting, it's just one lone creature is, is all that's seen. And this is fairly uh, consistent with regular wild wolves, which will range around um, solo, although the pack may be near, you often only see one at a time. However, there have been other incidents. Um, there was a woman from Janesville who was with some friends as a as a teenager in this kind of wild area in southern Wisconsin called Avon Bottom and they saw four of these creatures and um, there was they were first chased by one and then they drove away from it and came to another place where there were more of them and they were drink they were three at least drinking from a stream by leaning over it and using their hands to bring the water up to their muzzle. And these were fairly close daylight sightings. They were able to really describe the creatures and um, see what they did and what they looked like and be sure that they weren't bears or Bigfoot or, or humans or something like that. Probably the best known multi uh, sighting is one I call the main wolf pack. It was uh, in my book, Real Wolf Men, True Encounters in Modern America, and subsequently was um, adapted onto the... Uh, Sci-Fi Channel's Paranormal Witness Show, and again, they also called it the Maine Wolf Pack. And in that case, this is probably one of the scariest stories I've ever heard, um, in that there was a very nice middle-aged woman and her husband sitting on the front porch of a farmhouse they rented. They had a large flashlight that they liked to use because sometimes deer would come and uh, drink at this pond that was nearby their, their farm, and and they like to just sit there and watch that. So this time they got a really bad feeling. They were just kind of sitting there waiting for deer to come. And the husband uh, took the flashlight and, you know, swiped it across the yard. And to their shock, there were these five upright wolf-like creatures, and they were um, flanking the couple. They were quite close. There were three on one side, two on the other. And that's actually a technique that wild wolf packs are, are known to use. They have all kinds of very smart strategies. And so um, the couple was just able to back up into the house, but if they hadn't at that moment, you know, been sensitive enough to turn the light on, it, it's really um, creepy to think what might have happened to them, it, you know, had that been allowed to proceed. The upshot was that that the whole group of creatures stayed around the entire night. Um, they had called 911, and 911 told them to call the animal control, <laughs> and the animal control told them to stay in the house with the doors locked, and they did that and watched the creatures from an upstairs window, and they'd look down, and they'd see these five pairs of golden yellow eyes, which is the typical canine 
eye shine when you're shining a flashlight at them look stare right back up at them and they finally slunk away sometime toward morning um, and the, the couple subsequently moved to a different place but um, this tells you that yeah they, they can even in the upright form um, they can work together as a wolf pack does which um, you know is in, in very successful hunting techniques Pretty amazing. Hmm, that's well, actually we, really interesting. Yeah, really. We have a question for Shane from Andrew from Chico, California. Yes, and Andrew writes to us, uh, what is the difference between a demon, a parasite, and a shadow person? That's actually a really good question. <clears throat> well, I mean, some people call these parasitic entities demons. Uh, some people call them you know, poltergeist, non-human. They have all kinds of names, archon, um, you know. Um, gin, uh, but basically we call them parasitic entities because we've identified what they're feeding off of. They're feeding off emotion. They're attracted by emotion, uh, emotional frequency, and connected through emotional frequency, and and um, and strive to keep us down, keep us at a lowered frequency, so they can continue to feed, basically. Um, but and uh, so. As far as a parasitic entity and a demon, um, I don't use the, the term demon, but I do. I, I, we name them off of their personality and what what they look to accomplish there. Um, so those two would be about the same. The shadow people, um, depending on which type you're, you're talking about, because there's uh, the man with the hat who seems to be a parasite of his own, um, but just a different different type because um, you can see him or whatever. And, and um, but he looks to instill fear, um, and he and he accomplishes that. Um, but that's the same thing. That's the same thing that a parasitic entity does. So I think that type of shadow uh, figure um, is is a parasitic entity um, as well. Um, there's sometimes we see shadow beings, and they're not always negative. So um, I've had encounters with some that were actually kind of leading me into an, a direction for me to learn something new about a case, and they weren't a negative. Uh, uh, entity or whatever, and, and like I said, it, there is visible light. There's invisible light that we can't see. Different spectrum. I mean, sometimes on cases, um, you know, where we got things happening in the house, you can't see any entity or whatever. But you got things happening. But every once in a while, this ha- happened to me quite actually quite a few times in these locations. I'll see. I can see the figure. Um, and actually, the, the first case you and I worked on together in Woonsocket, there was a time we, you and I were first in the basement together, and I said, it's over there by the door. And you went over there with your EMF detector, and it went off. And the reason why I knew that is because it, I could see the air moving like heat off the pavement right next to the left of the door. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and not not a lot, but I could see it. And, and so also, 1998, that was. Yep. Yep. And also in his bedroom, I saw that that's what stimulated me to go into his doorway and take a picture capturing a face behind the fan. Well, I saw the thing looking at me, too. After that, heat off the pavement kind of dissipated. Um, so the shadow could be the same type of effect. It could be a different um, you know, show of, of, of reflection of light or whatever, a different light, um, light spectrum or something. But they're not... People say, oh, if it's a shadow figure, it's always negative, and that hasn't been the case. Um, but, it, you know, of course, with the the man with the hat, the, he's always been negative. He he scares everyone to death. So, um, But they, he is a parasitic entity. Just, he offers it a little bit differently. Um, um, but they all have their tactics, and they all know how to get to you. So where one person 
might attract something for, for a certain situation they might um, attract a certain parasitic entity another one might attract and be able to view a man with a hat I mean it, it, it's they're going to come at you with what they think is going to frighten you the most and, and who, sometimes they start off as a little girl just to get you to pay attention to it mm. and then they change once you start talking to it hey Susie we're home from work and next thing you know your house is getting torn apart <laughs> so um, but yeah so that's my answer for that question okay very good now we have a question for the entire panel uh, from Craig, and Craig never tells us where he's from. I'm beginning to think he's a multiversal creature of some kind. Or he's just from question mark. Uh, perhaps, yes. So, um, Ben, why don't you read it, and we'll start with, uh, with Mark. Oh, I will read my heart out. So, Craig writes to us, Paul and Ben often talk about crossover phenomena, uh, uh, like what happens in flap areas. I would like to know what each member of the panel thinks about this. Do they find other kinds of uh, phenomena taking place when they research their own specialties? Yeah, we've already kind of talked about this, but we can expand on it. Mark? Yeah, I can actually say something totally different from anything I've said so far, I think. Um, and, and Paul and Ben know this, and, and Shane to some extent, and Linda may or may not. Um, but it's about, from my experience, I've talked about. Um, when, we, when we talk about crossover, uh, People that are hunting ghosts, for instance, um, maybe part of what they're finding and what they're seeing are actually, uh, and this is a term I've, I've coined, uh, parallel universe intersects, mm -hmm. where uh, the parallel universe bleeds into our own for a period of time and people can see it uh, for whatever reason. Maybe that's what we see when we see ghosts. Maybe we're actually seeing, uh, again, more science undiscovered. And maybe that's why... People do get readings. People can see some weird things. People do see apparitions. And what are they? Is it possible that we're looking at a crossover phenomena? Something from that, that in, in, in 100 years might just be a mundane, oh, well, that's just another parallel universe intersect. Get rid of it. Tell it to go away. You know, or, or you know, turn on this machine and, and shut that down. I mean, it might end up becoming something that becomes a scientific reality at some point in the uh, near to not so far future. But the bottom line for me is that that kind of crossover is the kind of stuff that I think about, especially with the experience I had in my shop. To me, I wasn't seeing ghosts. I was seeing a uh, parallel universe bleed through. Because none of these things are paying any attention to me. I'm just an observer. You know, until I stepped on that thing, then there was a direct rudimentary communication that was really odd, that, that took me off my feet. Uh, and I wasn't... I didn't want that to happen. I really had to get up to Massachusetts with that prop. But this thing crippled me for like an hour, and I couldn't move because it was hurting so bad. Oh, there you uh, go. Was it a ghost or, or an entity that was doing it? I don't think so. I think it was a parallel universe lead through. Okay. Uh, before we go to Linda on that, why don't we take our break just so we don't have to interrupt Linda. Uh, final break of the show, bottom of the hour here. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240, broadcasting for the 70th year in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. Today, our 700th show, two-hour special. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Paul Eno. Ghosts, poltergeists, UFOs, Bigfoot, and weird phenomena that don't even have names yet. And I'm Ben Eno. Every Sunday from noon to 1 p.m. here on ON 1240, get a whole new look at the weird world we live in on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Every week we bring you the world's greatest experts and most amazing experiencers from PhDs to abductees. And you'll see soon that explaining the paranormal isn't the problem, it's handling the explanations. Be there. 
Well, I guess you can't get enough of us today. Anyway. Well, I, I guess we are here, so well, we, we, yeah, we followed our own directive. Yes, one world or another. So in any case, uh, we will talk about uh, our, the charities we've adopted uh, toward the end of the show in our announcement section. But right now, let's get back to the second hour, uh, the, the, I can see the final half hour of our two-hour special today, our 700th show. Between here and CBS, it's our 700th show. And our great panelists, we have Shane Searway with us on the subject of ghosts and, par- and uh, par- uh, parasites and poltergeists. Uh, Linda Godfrey on the subject of cryptozoological phenomena. And uh, certainly the great Mark D'Antonio, an astronomer and um, UFO expert extraordinaire, <coughs> excuse me, on the subject of the UFOs. So let's, um, let's get back now to uh, Linda and uh, we'll continue with our question. Um, on extrapolating perhaps on crossover phenomena from Craig uh, in, we don't know where he's from, but he, uh, we could perhaps uh, talk a little bit more about um, crossover phenomena, intersect areas uh, that may be responsible for some areas of, or, or all areas of the paranormal, in your case, cryptids. So what say you, Linda? Yeah, this is something that I had noticed and observed for a long time without really putting two and two together, although it became more and more um, obvious to me over the years, and it's really the theme of my most recent book, again, called Monsters Among Us, which is showing and demonstrating many of these cryptid sightings um, that also display light phenomena, UFOs, um, and other things. And one of the earliest examples where I really started thinking about this was uh, reading some of uh, John Keel's writings about his exploration of the Mothman phenomena over in, in uh, Point Pleasant and the fact that what most people don't realize is that he was hunting or not hunting but investigating UFOs by the hundreds during the whole time that he was also there investigating that Mothman there, he was um, having all kinds of uh, crazy phenomena happening to his personal phone line and things like that, visited by men in black, um, seeing many, many UFOs, and then the Mothman, uh, you know, was just part of this entire panorama. It wasn't just a lone, cryptid sort of thing. And I've also noticed this um, with, with cryptids, especially where a person's home prop property is involved, whether I have had people feel that the, that the upright wolf-like creatures and or Bigfoot have followed them home, and that when this happens, or sometimes they'll just live somewhere where all of a sudden the creature pops up and keeps popping up, and they keep seeing it, it's you know, sort of a, what they call a habituation scenario, and then um, sometimes there will be anomalous light phenomena or UFOs seen in the nearby vicinity. But then often there's uh, what seems like a poltergeist-type activity. And this is something I've actually um, experienced that my family has witnessed, too, where um, when you have a close-by sighting of one of these things, there's a huge, loud pounding on the outside of your house. It actually, to me, sounded like somebody, and felt, because it's the whole wall shutters, like somebody threw um, a yearling cat at the side of my house. And I, I heard that same sort of description from other people. Um, there's one up in uh, middle Wisconsin that I, ta- I wrote about extensively in this last book because they had not only seen um, giant birds, um, the upright, the dogman, the uh, Bigfoot, and several other things, 
and this is different members of the family, it's not just one person, over several years, but they also had that slamming of something huge against the side of the house. They had uh, water faucets that suddenly began um, cranking themselves to the side so that they would be open fully and, you know, filling the bathtub or the sink without anybody being near them. Um, strange things going on with the lights of the house, you know, all those systems. And it, it started me thinking, hmm, these things seem to have some sort of relationship. And I, I really think that's an important and exciting uh, way to go for um, exploring all of these phenomena. Um, and I, I keep hoping that some apparent pattern will become um, noticeable to us. Okay, very good. Shane, uh, what have you noticed on the, uh, the issue of crossovers? Yeah, so... Because <coughs> you've seen it all. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's two types of, like, say, since my, my area is uh, the ghost area and the poltergeist or whatever, um, so I'll talk on that. There's two types of, of uh, hauntings that I'll discuss right now that, that, that go hand in hand, or go with the, the parallels and the bleed-overs and everything. Um, but the... Say in the case of a parasitic entity, the one that actually isn't interacting with you is connected to you. It's usually brought on by an emotional uh, frequency or something that's drawn it in, whether it's fear or negativity or whatever. That's what attracts it. Um, now, <clears throat> for instance, um, oh, and, and a lot of times in, in with these parallels too, they seem to these um, these thin areas we call them or whatever the the paranormal flaps. It seems strongest in areas of rivers and streams. They tend to be much more active in those areas um, where you're getting everything happening um, and it happens more frequently in those areas. For instance, um, a long time ago there was a family that was messing around with the Ouija board. Um, they got home. There was something in the house they said. They called me. I ran over there. Um, I walked in the front door. I walked to the right, you could do a circle all the way around the house. I walked into the dining room, um, walked into the kitchen. The back door was open. There was an inch of snow on the ground. Um, there's there's a road, a dead end road back there, but nobody had been home from work or school yet, so there was no tire tracks. It was a fresh blanket of of, of snow. There was footprints coming in up onto the deck into the house, towards the living room. I followed. I went into the living room, went back through the foyer, back into the dining room, and we're talking not even a minute from where I was just in the dining room. All the chairs were stacked up on top of the table. They were, they hadn't been five minutes ago or five seconds ago. I walked in, back into the kitchen, um, walked over to the door. Oh, you know, when I walked in the kitchen, there, there were bar stools stacked up one on top of each other in, in the middle of the room. They hadn't been there just a few seconds ago. I walked to the back door. There's footsteps now leading out the same, where they were, same place they came. They all led about... 20, 20 or 30 feet from a river but they started and stopped with nowhere to go they just ended um, so these entities these the parasitic entities seem to come and go we, like we said they can burst jump they can come and go when they want same we believe you know with, with Bigfoots and cryptids and, and UFOs or whatever but um, now as far as the what people call um, residual hauntings we don't like that term um, we don't like what they suggest like your house is a DVR and it can record you know events and that, that just doesn't happen but what what we do think um, is it's a product of the multiverse and bleed overs and, and when I talked about the emotional frequencies connecting us to parasites I think it, it, where there's tragic events and strong emotional events uh, seem to be more prone to these um, these multiversal you know bleed overs um, 
from different times where we are able to see segments of something that happened in the past, uh, Gettysburg soldiers in the field, you know, things of that nature. Um, that emotional frequency, too, seems to make um, these areas of tragic events be more probable to, to have these bleed-overs. Um, but then there certainly are areas that we've been discovering that are just just being fed environmentally or whatever the, the case is that, um, that are aiding in this whole process, which okay. we're investigating. Yeah. Well, we have a question from Phil in Orange, Massachusetts, who will be very surprised that we have time for his question. Uh, this is from Mark. Uh, and Phil writes, uh, Mark, during the UFO conference in Lemonster, Massachusetts, we had a casual discussion which indicated to me that you were occasionally in touch with military people who were aware of submarine anomalies. My question arises from those who argue that there are potentially remarkable benefits from purchasing an inexpensive telescope and training its lens on certain areas of the moon. <coughs> Excuse me. I've heard you describe on television the apparent structural anomalies on the moon as exactly that, anomalous. But I would like to know if, in your discussions with military insiders, you look through much more powerful telescopes, if there's a belief among these professionals that those apparent structures are the best smoking gun we'll have unless E.T. parks on the White House lawn? That's a very good question. And uh, I'd like to start off just by saying that in that television special uh, that was called Aliens on the Moon, um, I was consulted as the photographic specialist, the guy that was going to be the uh, final word on whether these things were uh, alien or not. Um, and as it turned out, uh, they format of the show changed sort of dynamically and I never got to see any of the photographs uh, until 12 hours after they arrived and they only had about an hour and a half to two hours to actually do the filming and I think that was a tactic to keep me off my guard so that I wouldn't look too closely at the photos because uh, they, they figured out that I didn't I didn't really think that a lot of these things were anomalous um, so anyway uh, to answer the question I've never looked through any more powerful telescopes for the military or otherwise. Now, there are people that are doing powerful telescopic work. Uh, in fact, one of the guys, one who actually, uh, that, that actually works with Doug at the studio, uh, is someone who actually filmed a lot of the stuff for Virgin Galactic and their test flight of space deployment and so forth. Um, but uh, that's, that's the closest I've gotten to that kind of thing. But I have found uh, through discussions with people, especially high up the military ladder, that there are programs out there for tracking USOs, unknown submerged objects. And, you know, we've all said, I, I've said many times, and, and a lot of people have said that if they're here, well, they're probably going to, they'll probably hide in the oceans because they know that we're not there in any kind of force. If you land anywhere on the planet, you're, you're likely to be found by a human being somewhere, uh, unless you're in certain parts of Mongolia or some areas that are desolate in, in the world, uh, but they wouldn't know that they're desolate. I don't believe they're all-knowing. I believe that they are beings that just want to maintain their privacy. So to do it, they would actually hide underwater. So that's actually where I think uh, we would actually benefit from a revolution in technology is seeing through all the water and getting past all that to see that. Now, that's just my opinion. Uh, I've never been able to see anything in the sky that's powerful. I know there are people that say there are things up there, the Black Knight satellite and all that, or the Dark Knight, rather. Uh, and the Dark Knight satellite, to me, from what they're showing me as evidence, was a thermal blanket that was known to have gotten away from astronauts. 
And of course, the people out there who think it's really a satellite are shaking their heads. He doesn't know what he's talking about. What he's talking about. I'm just telling you what I what I know based on what I've been shown and what I've been given. Okay. That's what I saw. A thermal blank. Okay. And when I call it a satellite, well, you're free to call it a satellite, but then you got to prove it. I don't have to prove it's not a satellite. You got to prove it is. <laughs> yeah, right. <But> anyway, so, so that's where I go with that stuff. And um, like I said, I think that the for us the biggest mysteries may not actually be up in the sky, but deep in the ocean. Because if they're here, then they're going to be there. They're going to be hiding in our oceans because we're not always there, as I said. Okay. Well, as we come down to the wire here, I wanted to give our panelists one more chance to talk about their websites and their books uh, and what's going on. Mark, you you got the floor. Start with you. Sure, thank you. Um, well, uh, my book that's going to be coming out uh, soon, I'm, I'm just assembling all the final illustrations. It's called The Populated Universe. And it uh, basically speaks to my belief that the universe is predisposed to the creation of life or its building blocks or both. Um, and as far as my uh, interest here within Facebook, you can come find me on Facebook. Uh, of course, Mark D'Antonio is the name. And you can also subscribe to the Sky Tour live stream, which is a interactive live tour of the universe's uh, wonderful mysteries using special cameras that are highly sensitive. And we take people through all of them. I did one last night. It went for three and a half hours. And people were just watching as we were going from uh, nebulae that... Uh, form stars to the dead stars, the planetary nebulae. We, we took, them, took them to the whole gamut of stellar evolution. They can see it from start to finish, but just see the actual object and then learn about the object, you know. So, Sky Tour live stream on uh, YouTube. That's our channel. And it's Sky Tour live stream with Mark D'Antonio. And then uh, you can find me uh, on astroimaginglive.com, which is our website where we put together a consortium of streamers that are doing astronomy only stuff and the three of us are doing that all together so hopefully you'll join us and come along for some of the ride fantastic okay linda you'll sure and be, just just to make sure i don't forget to mention it i wanted to be sure i said happy anniversary to you and and i'm just so honored to be part of that that show that you're having there well thank and, you so uh, much congratulations on your new book as well. That's just very impressive. Well, thank, and I'm thank also you so much. really fascinated listening to Mark and to Shane and hope I get to work with both of you uh, some other time too. Absolutely. Um, as, far as, as far as my own thing, um, again, my main web, website is lindagodfrey.com. You can find all kinds of things there. You can follow, um, follow my blog. There's a link to uh, my Twitter feed. And um, my author page on Facebook, Linda S. Godfrey. So um, all kinds of stuff for you to find in those places. I often hang out at um, a Facebook group called the Unknown Creature Site. Uh, excuse me, Unknown Creature Place. And you can uh, apply to be joined to that. Um, my latest book is called Monsters Among Us. It addresses pretty much what we've been discussing these two hours about... Um, Sightings that contain an element of either the paranormal or anomalous things and how they might relate to these other fields of ufology, um, of, of the ghost exploration. And uh, I think if you were intrigued by this out, these two hours, you might enjoy some of the things in that book. Um, the one I'm working on right now is 
taking a look at strange creatures from a slightly different angle. It's a little too new in the process for me to uh, say too much about it, but I am uh, working hard at it, and hopefully that will be out um, in a year or so. It always takes a little longer <laughs> than you think it will to get these books yeah, out. Tell us um, about it, yeah. Very good. I'm sorry? Uh, no, I said, we lost you there for a second. No, I said, tell us about it. So, as far as oh, how long uh, it takes, yeah. I wish I could. Yeah. But it's just, it'll have the strange creatures, which I, I know um, my readers like, but coming again from just a slightly different angle that is going to make you think a little bit about And that's what I really like to do in my book is not just tell scary stories. I'm trying to always see a bigger picture, connections, something to help our understanding of what these things might be, even if we can't say for sure yet. Okay. Shane, tell us again about what's going on on your website. Yeah, trueoaks.com is my website, and uh, I am working on a book, but it's not anywhere near done, so we're not going to talk about that. Um, some lectures coming up uh, in, in a few months, so we'll go over that next time I come back or something. But um, And I do have um, a YouTube channel that I've, I've I've obtained the name and everything, and um, and I'm just working it out. I want to make sure the quality is going to be 100%. You know, before I before I go live, uh, make sure it's worthy of all the all the watchers. But um, where I'm going to have, you know, not just like investigators. I, I want to actually have discussions with people that are uh, professionals in 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 fields that. I, I can help um, explain some of my theories and stuff like that, you know, to shine more light and more in-depth look in, into some of my theories, like frequency specialists, you know, all kinds of different things mm. like that. But I've already been um, in talks with a lot of them. Um, it, there's some great talent out there that that's um, that's on. So I, well, I'll be having those people like that on my show, and um, I think it's going to be really interesting. It's going to be different, it's, uh, you know. It's going to be real educational. Excellent. Okay. Indeed. I think we have time for... Uh, ben, did you, you have any comments as we go here? I've been oh, I always have comments, yes. but none that pertain to this. So okay. I, guess, I guess, you know, we might have time for one more email. I think we have time for one more brief question. I'm going to be selfish here and ask one of our own. Uh, so if I could ask for brief answers from our panelists on this. Uh, which field of the three we've essentially been discussing tonight, blended as they may be, which field are scientists most likely to take seriously, if any? Mark? I think that, um, you know, and of course this is going to play to our personal biases, but if you talk to certain astrophysicists, then they may want to consider, and they might consider looking at the the, uh, the ghost and, and entity field, hmm. because they would look at it and say, well, that's, that's probably related to parallel universes, let's explore that. On the other hand, because of the exoplanet studies, that you know, exoplanets are my specialty in astronomy, as you know, and yep. in that arena, I mean, obviously, we have to consider that the number of stars out there that have planets, uh, actually, the, the planets exceed stars in their count. When you look in the sky, there's more planets out there than the stars you can see, every one of them, all right, in all the galaxies in the universe. So that means that the likelihood of life is very high. So it means that the UFO side of things, the UFO type arena could also become very serious for researchers once they actually find that say Tabby Star really is an alien megastructure being built. Then UFOs won't be so uh, you know, poo pooed and tinfoil hatted every time in the press. And again, as I said, the media are the ones that have to buy it first. 
because the media tends to drive opinion, and opinion tends to drive uh, uh, endowments, <laughs> the university. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Linda? So. Uh, yeah, I, I actually think that it, it probably would be the field of ufology um, and astronomy, just for some of the reasons cited, but also, you know, because um, so many people see UFOs, many more people than report them, which is true for each of these fields, but um, I think particularly with UFOs. I mean, I have um, a brother and a sister who in different cities have seen the giant triangle-shaped mothership um, separately at quite close range, you know, and over a, you know, at least a longer amount of time. It wasn't just a brief flash, you know. It gave them enough time for a good look at them. And if you start talking to just about anybody, either they or somebody they know will have seen one. Actually, the same was probably true for ghost-like phenomena. Um, I think that that, I think that that's probably very widely believed among many people, more than most people will, will admit. Um, but I think the, uh, the astronomers have the edge with the scientific, scientifically accessible um, equipment and, and things that are going on right now. So, the, and then, you know, the cryptids, people see those too, but again, um, I, I think the other, the other types of sightings are more prevalent and and have a little longer backstage of, of uh, investigation to draw the scientifically minded to them. Okay. Shane, which field do you think science is most likely to take seriously? Well, I'm going to have to agree with both of them on that. Um, I think ufology. And, I mean, the reason is that there's so many sightings, that not just the general public, but, you know, key public figures like Jimmy Carter talked about, Ronald Reagan, you know, blah, blah, blah. There's um, so many so many sightings of UFOs and, and, um, and so many reports of, you know, alleged abductions from credible people who pass lie detector tests. I mean, and I, I myself have seen UFOs and have other experiences that we won't get into, but um, but I, I absolutely think it, would, it, it should be ufology anyway because there's more of a threat to, because we don't know exactly, you know, um, you know, a lot of people think, oh, they're all good, they're here to help us, but, you know, I, I, don't, think, I don't think that. Um, you know, so I, I think there might be good ones, but based on the stories I've heard and people that um, have experienced things and and passed lie detector tests, I, I mean, I, they can't all be good because some of the stories are horrific, and um, and I have my own experiences as well. So, but I think there's more of a threat, um, and I think you know for that reason alone, and the fact that so many people see it, I think that science would be more apt to take that seriously, and they should. I think they really should. Okay, Ben, what have you to say on that subject? Well, I think I'm I'm probably gonna have to agree with ev everyone else here, which is you know not, the feel. The no one's arguing. <laughs> well, no, I mean it's. Don't be so agreeable, Ben. Come on. <laughs> All right, I'll change my answer, Mark. Um, I think that all of the field all the fields are are pretty pretty. What's the word? Um, they're becoming more more prominent, and I'll, I'll tell you why. The the reason that I, I say that all the fields are getting sort of in the same same neck and neck is because of the diversity of people uh, that are experts in the fields. So I think I think that not only is the field of ufology getting more spotlight, mostly because it's it seems more um, PC for lack of um, better words. I can't really think of a good word. It, it seems more acceptable to think 
alright, there's life far away on other planets. That, that makes sense because the universe is, is big enough where we can, where it can accommodate more than just humans. And plus, you know, as humans, we like to self-deprecate. So, the, the idea being that, um, there's also, there's all, there's definitely life out there. It's kind of, you know, stupid to not think that. So I think that, that's that's one one thing, but also the field of quantum physics is really you know bringing all sorts of new things to the table, and I think people are starting to realize this, and they're like, oh wow, so it's not just okay, well we have these three dimensions we live in, fourth dimension being time, which we really don't understand. That now people are starting to think about things like oh you know you have the hadron collider and like all these other all these other things going on, and it's you know people are starting the interest is being peaked. And it seems more credibility is given to people like us, whereas, you know, more people are starting to become dis either, you know, more into materialistic science or more disillusioned by it. Mm. So really, I think, I think they're all neck and neck. Okay, very good. Well, that's about all the I time like we have. What was that, Mark? I, I actually like that answer. It's a very good answer. Okay, very good. Well, on that note, we will... Have to say goodbye, I'm sorry to say, to our wonderful panel. Thank you so much for a terrific show, all of you. We'll be in touch off the air and continue our uh, uh, clandestine activities in our flap areas. And uh, it just, it was a, you did honor to our 700th show. And thank you both, the three of you, actually, very much. Indeed, thanks for being with us. Well, thank you for having us. That's thank you. Wonderful. Okay. My pleasure. Very good, then. Okay, well, let's begin our announcements there. Uh, I guess I'm first here. Uh, our newest new book, Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of, in which, as we said, uh, Shane Searway and Linda Godfrey both figure prominently, uh, is available on Amazon.com and Amazon Kindle, and we will have copies available for sale at all our forthcoming events. Uh, unlike the first book, it is not in stores, as far as I know, yet, uh, but stay tuned on that. And if you can't get uh, to any of our events, and you would still like an autographed copy of our book, you can always get them at our online bookstore at BehindTheParanormal.com. Our 2016 book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, is in most bookstores. And if they don't have it, they can certainly get it. Uh, it's also available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and other online retailers. And again, uh, you can get an autographed copy at BehindTheParanormal.com. So our next presentation will be on Thursday, July 27th at the Prospect Senior Center in Prospect, Connecticut at 1 p.m. And this is open to the public, so please call Lucy at 203-758-5300 to register. Again, that's 203-758-5300 to register. Yeah, it is free, but they would appreciate it if you would register. Uh, Labor Day weekend, September 3rd and 4th, will once again find us at the Exeter UFO Festival in New Hampshire, a great annual event that benefits local children's charities. Our subject on Saturday will be Flap Areas, UFOs, and the Paranormal on Steroids. On Sunday, for the second year in a row, we'll do our live show from the Exeter Town Hall with a panel of speakers beginning at noon. Uh, they will include Travis Walton of Fire in the Sky fame, uh, the great Kathleen Martin and Denise Stoner, and more speakers as well. Uh, find out more at ExeterUFOFestival.org. So this is another UFO conf uh, conference being content. Yeah, there is another UFO uh, conference being contemplated for late September in the beautiful White Mountains of uh, New Hampshire, and uh, we'll let you know as soon as we have details on that. And also on Saturday, September 30th, uh, we'll talk about strange connections, UFOs, cryptids, and ghosts in Western Connecticut and beyond at the Brandywine Living Center in Litchfield, Connecticut, heart of the Litchfield Triangle. You can RSVP to, to Nanette at eight six zero. 
five seven or five six seven I should say ninety five hundred again that's eight six zero five six seven ninety five hundred. Uh, then on October 6th and 7th, we'll be back at the Greater New England UFO Conference at City Hall in Lemonster, Massachusetts, one of our favorite events of the year. Our subject will be the Fur Flies, Bigfoot, and UFOs. And then the following week, we'll speak at the Western UFO Conference uh, at Danbury, Connecticut at, uh, Library, along with Linda Zimmerman, uh, Rosemary Ellen Guiley, and other legendary researchers. On Saturday, October 28th at 1 p.m., we'll speak at the Portsmouth Public Library in New Hampshire. Finally, on November 4th to 6th, uh, we'll appear at the Para-Unity Conference in Felsmere, Florida, so watch for our more information on that, uh, and also watch BehindTheParanormal.com or our show Facebook page for updates on any of these events. And uh, don't forget to check out our YouTube channel, Behind the Paranormal Case Files, which we will have some degree of normalcy back in both of our lives very soon. So we can go back to making productions as we've been begged to. <laughs> All right. Uh, meanwhile, f- again, find out more about the show, our many cases over the years, our public appearances, and more at BehindTheParanormal.com, where you'll find a show archive with over 700, uh, well, over, especially over 700 now, because this is yeah. the 700th show, uh, free recorded shows from both ON1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. All right, so next Sunday, uh, July 23rd, uh, we will all be away on a case, uh, so we will offer a rebroadcast of our excellent 26th, or March 26th show with Jim Mars on science fiction and the multiverse. And then we'll be back uh, uh, with our regularly scheduled programming on uh, July 30th. So no crazy two-hour shows <laughs> <laughs> to throw off the local audience. And uh, we'll be back to normal. It's a crazy one-hour shows. We'll leave you this afternoon with a quote from, uh, I guess, from ourselves, from our new book, Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of. Uh, Quote, myth and folklore are the vessels of the memory of the human race. Any student of folklore will tell you that every legend that's written on the human psyche, the inner storybook of our race memory, is based on something that really happened. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno, and thanks for joining us on Behind the Paranormal. We'll see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.